This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I have had the last two or three weeks. (laughs) I've lost track. It's been real hectic. It's been really chaotic. I've had the opportunity to do many amazing things. And also, you know, when you just haven't had like a regular, a quote unquote, regular week in a while, like I'm looking forward to just being like home Monday through Friday. So I'm wrapping up kind of this little spurt of three weeks of events and travel. And then I have a little bit more at the end of the month, especially as I welcome my next retreat group, which I'm so excited about my final influence and ignite retreat on October 26th and October 27th here in Seattle, which will be really, really fun. But I have a little downtime between now and then, which is feeling spacious, you know, when you're like just craving that spaciousness. So in the meantime, between Now and then, I'm actually heading out tomorrow morning to go celebrate my mom's 85th birthday. So just a little happy birthday and shout out to my mom, who's turning 85 on October 12th. By the time this goes live, she will have already turned 85. It's pretty wild when you think of, I remember when she turned 75. And when your parents get to a certain age, you think, will there be 10 more years? And I mean, she's going strong. She's not much worse for the wear 10 years later. So that's pretty awesome, which I think means I'm going to live to be like 137. So <laughs> I'm excited to talk today about some things that I've heard and seen over time, but also how I've heard them addressed specifically 
in the last few weeks as I've been leading events, as I've been in conversation with leaders, um, and as things have just been, um, as I've been exposed to a lot of different kinds of conversations um, and different ways to view shame in different capacities of my life. So I think this will be a really interesting, um, an interesting episode for us to view things in a different way. I'm trying to remember if since I last recorded, um, I think when I last recorded, I had not yet had the opportunity to go to Unleash, um, Outreach Unleash, where I spent two days help supporting women in sales. And so this was a big, huge event. Um, I think there was like, I don't know, 16 or 1900 attendees total, but there was 350 or more um, who were women, specifically women in sales who had their own kind of subgroup um, within this bigger event. And so the people who were part of women in sales, the women who were part of women in sales, they got to have a little bit of a separate track where they had some separate events, some se- separate speaking stuff, panels. Um, and then they had a women in sales lounge. And that was where women throughout the day could just come in and get treats and hang out. And they could also get coaching from myself and another coach. And it was a really, really cool experience. I had so much fun. I met so many incredible people and I learned a ton. And I know some, I probably have some new listeners of the podcast since then. So if I met you at Unleashed, welcome, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. It's such a thrill to have you here. And one of the things that I really loved about that event, actually two things. So the first day I got to participate, there was two panels. One was a panel of corporate leaders who were sitting talking through corporate leadership kinds of things. And then the second panel was actually myself and another coach. And we were talking through with some of these leaders, different ways that leaders can build confidence. And it is always surprising and humbling to see how high up women can climb and still feel like they don't have all the confidence in the world, but yet they look like they have all the confidence in the world. And so that always kind of catches me off guard. But then it's also in some ways a little bit like re-regulating because it reminds me that we're all the same. And I think that sometimes we can put other women on pedestals and think like, oh my gosh, like I could never do what she does or she's above me or things like that. And it just, it really like levels the playing field to hear women talk really vulnerably around things that are really universally experienced by all women. So that was really, really eye-opening and also just really fun to be in the room with those leaders and this fellow coach Montana, who maybe is listening to the show. So hello, Montana, if you're listening. She told me she's a new fan of the show after we met. So, And then the next day, I got to spend the entire day coaching, I did 20 coaching sessions, one-on-one coaching sessions back to back. So every 20 minutes in the women in sales lounge, a new woman came and sat down at the table with me. And I had them as soon as they sat down, I said, okay, I want to know one thing that's either a current obstacle, something you're feeling stuck around, something you want some guidance on, and then let's dig into it right away. And I'm going to, my hope is for you to leave here with either an action step that you're going to take or some sort of mindset reset that repositions you um, in terms of how you're thinking of this situation where you're feeling stuck or seeing an obstacle. And as I had 20 women sit down, I learned so many things about what women are experiencing in the world right now, um, especially in, in their roles in corporate leadership. But I also learned a lot about what women carry around shame and discomfort and lack of confidence. And some of it is this internalized shame that isn't even from us being directly shamed ourselves, but it's just shame that we carry because we are, we've had to carve out places for ourselves in the world where we haven't felt welcome and, or maybe have been told that we're not welcome. 
So this prompted me to start thinking about this. On top of that, there's been another situation in my life regarding a family member where there's been some shamey stuff happening and watching that family member really struggle with it has been really, really difficult and trying to be supportive around that and figure out ways to cope and process and find new ways for them to be successful has also been a really enlightening and illuminating experience over the last couple of weeks. So it felt like it was time to talk about this on the show. And what I want to talk about today is how shaming undermines trust and what to do instead. So I am probably like you. I've been in situations where I've been shamed by a boss or a leader, a family member, just been shamed in different ways. And it is always the worst. It's the worst feeling. And I think that we now live in a world, largely thanks to Brene Brown, by the way, where we know that shame doesn't get us anywhere. We know that shame is actually a weapon and it causes more destruction than good, but it can also be our default. Because for many of us, shame is what was modeled to us growing up in terms of the people that were our bosses, oftentimes our parents. Like Shame was widely used and openly accepted as a means of controlling other people, manipulating people, having power over people in subordinate relationships for centuries. Um, and I feel like it's only been in the last couple decades that we've started to see like, oh, wait, like maybe this is doing the opposite of what we want it to do. And I'm thinking of this specifically in the context of parenting, like parenting, I was not shamed as a child, but um, I'm thinking that I think shame was used in education when I was a student. Shame was definitely used in my early jobs. And I'll give an example in a minute. And then I think at a certain point, we recognize like this isn't the right way. And we've been learning how to do better as parents. We've been learning how to do better as leaders. And we have some tools, but I think it's really important that we kind of name some of the tools so that we can really intentionally and consciously be using different techniques because we're recognizing and really honoring like how harmful shame can be. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under-sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So as you you are listening to this today, I want you to think about it through the lens of a parent, but also through the lens of if you are in the position of being a teacher, a mentor, a coach in any capacity. And then also if you are a leader or a boss in any capacity, or and by leader, it might be leader in the workplace, it might be leader in a community of, in some sort of way, leader in your church, like any of these ways. When we think about shame, and we think about shame as a weapon, what that means to use shame as a weapon is to use shaming another person to shut down a certain behavior or to force someone to see something differently, to force them to see it your way, or to force them to make a different choice and probably in your eyes, a better choice, right? And so when I was growing up, I think there was a lot of times and instances where parents used shame as a weapon because they were trying to shut down and often thinking that they were doing this in the best interest of their kids, trying to shut down one behavior so that the kid would do another behavior. And People use shame because sometimes it's well-intentioned, as the example I just gave, but then other times they use it because it gives them a sense of control or power over a person or a situation. And so sometimes when we feel really helpless, we might use shame to try to quickly pivot something, maneuver something, manipulate something, because we don't know how to like push pause and think through what's the best option right now. And also, people can use shame as a weapon to have coercive control in a situation like where they very much know what they're doing and they're very intentionally doing this. And we see this in situations where there's abuse happening. So I'm going to assume that you're not using shame in an abusive sort of way, but I'm going to invite you to see if you use shame in any different ways or different capacities, hopefully you can start to see a little bit of that and maybe how you interact in certain situations and then why it might be important to shift gears. So when we think about how we might use shame in our own lives, it might be in the context of parenting. It might be in the context of 
being frustrated with a coworker or being frustrated leading a team and calling people out in front of one another or calling people out, um, calling out a whole team. It might be in the context of a community situation where you just feel like either you know better or you just have a different set of values and you want to make sure that that's known. And so you shame another set of values in the process. We can also see this happening in sports. We see coaches shame kids. We also see parents on the sidelines shame kids. We see parents on the sidelines shame their own team sometimes. And more commonly, we see parents shame the other team. And when we see this happening, we're often, we're able to recognize it. And we're like, ooh, that felt really gross, or that felt weird. And sometimes it's harder to see it in ourselves. So I'm going to invite you to kind of see where you might be doing using shame as a default, and be able to think through how you can maybe engage differently. And I'm going to give you some specific tips around that. I had a boss, actually two bosses years ago, these gym owners, I've talked about them before, they own this gym, I was working there, I think in my first like year and a half as a personal trainer, I started working for them, they were in kind of like they owned kind of what was like the most desirable gym to be a member at in town. Now, while it was a really desirable gym to be a member at, they were the least desirable people to work for, they were pretty horrendous. And they constantly used shame as a weapon. They shamed their trainers, so they shamed us in meetings by comparing us to one another. They shamed trainers who didn't have, who weren't as booked, like who didn't have as many clients. They assumed like, oh, that person must just must not be as good. So they would shame them. They shamed members in different ways. I mean, there was conversations that happened at that front desk sometimes between the owners and members where I literally wanted to melt into the wall. And I didn't know how to escape. I didn't know how to stand up for the member. I didn't know how to speak up and say something. It was so, so uncomfortable. I was shamed by them multiple times. I also was like, they liked me. So I wasn't shamed nearly as much as other people. Um, I had a good friend who was constantly their scapegoat and was constantly shamed, not by them only privately, but also publicly. It was so incredibly painful to watch. And sometimes when you're young, it can be helpful to see that because you're like, holy cow, I never want to be like that. And that was definitely part of what I saw there. But I also like really taught me to speak up and kind of start standing up for myself around them. And ultimately was a huge reason why I left because like this shame culture was just so insidious and gross and disgusting. When we think about how shame really works versus like how we want it to work, I think that these mem- these owners, they were like really traditional in a lot of ways and like in such archaic ways <laughs> and like such antiquated ways. But I think that they really thought that their shame would like motivate us. Like we would feel so inspired if they pointed out like, wow, Sarah, you know, this trainer over here booked more sessions than you this month. So, you know, what's that all about? And I think they thought like all of a sudden I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so inspired now. I can't wait to work harder for them. <laughs> like we know that's not how it works, right? So what ends up happening when we use shame in all these different capacities and contexts is that shame works the opposite in terms of how we want it to work. And instead of shame motivating us and inspiring us and making us really sit and think about how to make a better choice or a different choice, it does the opposite. Shame makes us think that we can't change. It actually demotivates us. It makes us feel less capable. It makes us feel less worthy. It makes us feel inadequate. It makes us feel like we're not enough. It totally plummets our self-esteem and our sense of self-worth. Instead of it motivating us, it plummets our self-worth and our self-esteem so that we actually feel less empowered to make a different decision because we're second-guessing everything. We're filled with doubt. We're filled with fear. We're filled with insecurity. And that does not position us to go make a better choice or be excited to try something different. Instead, we're like questioning everything. 
So it actually tears down trust, self-trust, and also trust between the person who um, we're having this interaction with um, and ourselves, which then makes us build up our armor. So when we see shame being used routinely, we start building up armor and we think like, okay, I did this wrong. And because now I'm made to feel like I'm not worthy, not enough. I feel inadequate. I don't ever want anyone to see those parts of me again. I don't ever want anyone to think that I'm incapable or unqualified or whatever. Again, so I'm going to build up this armor and not let people in. And when we build that armor up, it becomes harder and harder to have connected relationships. It becomes harder and harder to have vulnerability as part of a relationship, which ultimately doesn't allow us to build really great relationships or really relationships where there's a lot of open communication, where the relationship can actually like grow over time. What then happens is there's a decreased sense of belonging. And so when we have shame, and I've seen this, I saw this at this gym with my coworkers, you know, the one coworker who was always the scapegoat for everything. I saw her like try to distance herself and detach a bit because she felt like she didn't fit in. She felt like everyone else has like, this secret sauce figured out and I like I, I don't and so she would detach herself from the rest of us um, and kind of shrink and hold back and she was like this big personality and really dynamic person and an incredible trainer but when she was shamed enough over time she lost a lot of that or she hid a lot of that like that became more and more buried under the armor and shame definitely removes any sense of psychological safety and so when we don't have psychological safety we like we can't be present in a relationship. So without that, what happens then? Like trust is obviously hugely undermined, hugely eroded, and it really changes how we're able to show up in the world. So shame then undermines trust. It breaks down a relationship. And where do we go from there? It's really hard to go somewhere new or different from there unless the person who did the shaming can come back and say, wow, I should have done something differently. I could have done that better. I'm sorry. And oftentimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes it takes years, if not decades for us to finally be able to see, oh, wait, when I was shamed in that situation, that wasn't about me. That was about that other person. And I happened to be the victim of them weaponizing shame. And here's how it impacted me. And I don't need to carry that anymore. But it can take a really long time for us to get to that point. So What's important here is for us to understand what happens when this is when shame is utilized in this way. And then also for us to recognize what else could be happening. And a really specific example, I was recently in a situation or a scenario where someone was being pretty disruptive in a group setting, and they were being redirected over and over again in a way that was pretty snarky and just didn't make them feel good. And as I was watching it happen, I thought, I think this person is behaving this way because they feel really insecure. And they don't know what to do differently because they don't have a relationship with this person. And so they keep bidding for this person's attention or validation and it keeps not working. And they're just making it worse for themselves because they're like, maybe I'll try again. Maybe I'll try again. Maybe I'll try again. And like, it doesn't work, right? And so the shame kept, it was like, this vicious cycle of like undesirable behavior, the person at the front of the room shames and then undesirable behavior over and over and over again. And it was obviously like really detrimental over time. And when there was some conversation after the fact, we were able to break down what was happening. And oh my gosh, it was like miscommunication and misperceptions all around. And it was really, really interesting to see how the parties 
were interpreting things so differently. And it didn't take much for them to get on the same page at all. But it really took both of them being able to come to the table to be like, here's how I feel. Here's what's going on. Here's why I did that. Here's how you made me feel like all those different kinds of things. And then for them to say like, oh my gosh, we need to start over like this. We definitely want to have a different kind of relationship. And how, where do we, how do we begin again? Where do we begin again? When we think about why people use shame. Now, if you are an abuser using shame, that's a whole different category. So I want to like give that caveat right away. But people use shame because they don't have better tools or skills. There's a lot of people that just don't have better tools or skills. And so I think we see this in the workplace all the time. Sometimes you see this in our own family, with our extended family. And we like people just have different emotional intelligence. People have had different resources to learning how to communicate in healthy ways. And sometimes in family relationships, there is just a whole lot of shame that can go down. And sometimes it's learned behavior over time. It's because a family system has always operated a certain way. It can be all sorts of different layers. So sometimes people just don't have better tools or skills. It can also be because this is how they've been treated and they're just doing what was modeled to them. And sometimes it's really, really unconscious. And I actually think in situations that I've been in with bosses, that's been the case a few times where they, it was how they were managed when they were coming up in their careers. So they're like, this is just how it's done. Like, this is how you like do your time or earn your stripes or whatever. It's like, you have to like go through this. And it's part of like the indoctrination phase of making it to the next level. And so it's what's been used or modeled. And we have this in parenting all the time. I've caught myself in moments where I'm like, I just said that thing that like one of my parents said to me, it's kind of shamey, didn't love that I just said it, but I just said it without really thinking because it's what was said to me. And that's what we do, right? We just like, we just repeat what we've seen sometimes without paying much attention to whether or not that's the best thing in the moment. Sometimes people use shame to try to have power or control over others, other people's and other people's choices. And sometimes this can be in a parenting situation for sure. This can be in a situation where, and it might be like in a situation with your kid where if your kid's like, there might be something that you're, where you're worried your child will be exposed to harm. So you're utilizing shame as a weapon. And that could be very legitimate in terms of like your super legit reasons as a parent to want to be able to try to have a control over your child or over your child's choices. And sometimes catching yourself to recognize like how effective that is, is really, really significant. I was actually listening to a podcast recently, two moms who have five teenagers between them. And they were talking about drinking, teenage drinking. And they were talking about how they've navigated that and worked really hard to navigate that really intentionally without using shame because the way that they were both talked to about alcohol and um, and how it was managed in their households growing up was with so much shame that one of them was like, oh my God, I was sneaking out of the house drinking all the time by age 14 because of the way that my parents positioned shame around so many choices. And so these two moms were like, we're doing it really differently than our parents. It looks really different. And it almost, they were like, some parents might think this looks permissive, but what we're seeing is that we have really open lines of communication with our kids and we're not being permissive. We're not saying this is okay, but we're keeping these lines of communication open so that we have a better sense of what our kids are doing at all times. And our kids know that they can come to us and our kids are being really open about when they try things. And so we're able to give input and advice in those moments where it's really critical versus them just being super experimental on their own where the stakes could be higher and they could end up in more danger. And it was really, really interesting listening to that because I, you know, like I don't have a kid at that age yet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm hearing this because 
Not that I'll do everything the same way that they're doing it, but it really informed me around how things can look so different than what our parents did. And with the same goal in mind, like we want to protect our kids from harm. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Another reason that people might use shame is to manipulate others to behave a certain way. And so this can be in the workplace. This can be in family relationships. I mean, this happens a lot in family relationships. This can be in comparing people and like helping them see how they could maybe do better if they just do it, like just do it like so-and-so. I remember growing up, I had a friend who was constantly compared to someone else and it was something we talked about a lot. And that the impact of constantly being told, why don't you just do it like so and so? Why can't why won't you just try it like this person? How come you don't want to be more like them? And what about so and so? And how are they doing that? Um, and the way that it eroded self trust and also eroded the parent child relationship was massive. And so I think sometimes in parenting, especially, we do that because we're like, that'll help them see what's possible. And it's like, no, that's actually not helping them see what's possible. So sometimes that like trying to use this as manipulation isn't with bad intentions, but it's not serving the purpose we want it to serve. Instead, it's serving a total opposite uh, purpose. And so that that can be a form of manipulation, even if we're trying to do it for a reason that feels like really helpful at the time. And then sometimes we're, you know, using manipulation intentionally in order to get an outcome that we want. And 
something that either serves us better than other people around us, or maybe serves us better than it's going to serve our children because we just want them to like sit down and be quiet for a minute, what have you. So what can you do instead of shaming? If you find yourself in a moment where you're like, that felt a little shamey, you're probably right. And even if you weren't sure if that was perhaps the perception on the other person's side, to go back and check and ask and to go back and like do some repair is always a good idea. And then to recognize like, okay, how can I enter this differently next time? Again, whether it's in a work environment, whether it's in the community, whether it's, you know, teaching, mentoring, coaching in various capacities, or whether it's with your own kids. And so the first thing is instead of shaming, naming the thing. And so naming like, hey, I saw that this happened, or I heard that this happened, just naming it, like objectively naming it and seeing what they say. You'll get a lot of information, just like seeing what they say after that. Then after that naming, if you don't get a lot of information, asking questions. So asking questions to try to understand what is happening and why it's happening. There was a situation that I was in a few years ago, and I went into something not intentionally using shame at all, but I went in with a really strong opinion about something that put the other person felt like they were on their back heels and that put them in a position of like internalizing shame. And after the fact, I was like, oh my God, I could have just gone in and asked some questions. And it was really, really hard to repair that after that conversation. And it has stuck with me now for years that it never hurts to just start asking with questions, like instead of jumping to a conclusion or instead of coming with this like narrative that you've made up in your head to just go ask some questions and you'll often be able to better understand what's happening, which will totally change how you interact or respond to the situation. If you understand why something's happening, what's actually going on, why a person is behaving a certain way or why a person did a certain thing that totally shifts the dynamic. Also, you asking the question, let's say other person know that like you're interested and you're curious and you want to be engaged in this in a healthy communicative way that's relationship building versus relationship tearing down or trust building versus trust tearing down. The next, the third part is to use compassion. So using compassion to put yourself in the other person's shoes to feel what they might be feeling in this moment, which is empathy, to really feel what someone else is feeling. And I will say this situation of watching someone be shamed recently and seeing how the repair was handled and the compassion that came out from the person who was not realizing what they were doing was coming across shaming to the other person was really, really powerful. And the person said, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. This is not what I thought it was. I really misread the situation. Um, that must have felt really horrible to the other person. Um, that must have felt really uncomfortable and unsafe. And that I'm like, it was just this really helpful um, and supportive self-acknowledgement. And then that person was able to immediately like be empathetic and, oh my gosh, like here's what that must've felt like. And I would never want to make someone feel that way. So here, how can I repair this? How can I make sure I do better next time? The other step instead of shaming is to focus on behavior or situations in a really objective way and not conflate it with the value of the person. So like a behavior can be bad. And I, my friends who have um, kids with ADHD, I see do this a lot. Well, they'll say like, you didn't make a very good choice there, but they're never, ever labeling their kid as a bad kid. And so if you have a really impulsive kid, they're making choices a lot of times throughout the day that are really impulsive and often not in their best interest and sometimes harmful to other people. And I've seen those friends, the way they parent um, really carefully in terms of saying, how can you make a better choice next time instead of saying like, you're really bad um, or you're a bad kid because you did that thing. And even something like, you know, punching another kid, they're not saying you're bad. They're saying, 
here's what happened. Tensions got high. These three things happened in a row. Then you punch the person. That wasn't a great choice. And so what can we do next time? And how do we need to repair this here? Which is just staying really objective, focusing on the behavior, the objective parts of the situation, and then not conflating it with the value of the person. And the fifth thing you can do is to ask how you can be supportive or helpful. So instead of shaming someone, if you see that like someone's doing something you don't want them to do, or someone is like really not hitting the mark, or someone's way underperforming, or someone just like seems kind of like they're falling apart, to ask like, hey, it seems like you might need some help right now. Or it seems like you could use some supporters there anything I can do to help you be more successful in this moment or in this season or in this situation. Um, to be working like to create a situation that is power with versus power over. And power with means you're like standing side by side, like we got this together. And I'm going to stay with you till we have it figured out versus I'm going to try to make you do what I want you to do or what's quote unquote, right, or what's in the best my best interest. You're sitting next to that person. And like, how can we co create a solution that's going to be mutually beneficial? Um, And that makes a huge, huge difference in terms of then people actually feel motivated, like, oh, now that I have your support, like, this is what I'm really looking for, but I can't seem to figure out how to do it. What do you have any ideas? And then we get to work together. And trust has been built because you have put yourself in that situation of saying, I'm here for you and I got you um, and I'm, I'm going to ride it out with you. So where can you recognize where you might be doing things that are a little shamey or where other people might be doing things that are shamey around you? And how can you call a person in if they are doing this repeatedly in an environment that you're in? Or how can you recognize your own habits and then start to shift them by naming instead of shaming, by getting really curious and asking questions, by using compassion and empathy, by focusing on behavior and situations and not conflating it with a person, and then asking how you can be helpful or supportive when you see that someone is struggling with something or that they just totally missed the mark in some way, or that they've maybe made a a poor choice that's not in their best interest or in someone else's best interest. I hope this helps. This is such a big topic, but I wanted to start to dig into it. I feel like maybe we'll have to do a follow-up to this episode and continue talking about shame because I think that there's much more to uncover here. But this was a good start for today. So I hope this was helpful. Share it with people who you think it might help, especially if you are seeing some of this come up in um, places where you might be sharing space with other people or with other children. And remember that you're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to do it perfectly. And that's why this is the Shameless Mom Academy. We can be imperfect and that's okay. And of course, remember that I'm in this with you always. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.